There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Rule the Roost podcast. You are joined, well, you are joined, hang on. I am joined by Raj Baines and my name is Tetrunk. Um, I am going to introduce myself as Tetrunk because I have that much of an ego. Raj Baines, how are you doing, mate? I'm fine. Uh, People actually get on you a little bit, don't they, for having your own pseudonym, whereas I kind of get my proper name read out. Carl Pilkinson. No, not Carl Pilkington, Keith Chegwin, uh, Raj <laughs> Baines. Yeah, um, but it's EO. Yeah, it's a beautiful name, Raj Baines. I like it. Why? Why not share it? That's true. Your your proper name's a bit shit, really. It's quite. I mean, yeah. loads of people are called Jack. It's not very adventurous. It's not my actual name. Maybe it's another pseudonym. Maybe this is like some Inception name shit that's going on. Have you ever thought about it that way? Yeah, your your actual birth name is actually Carl Pilkington. You're just a an enigma with an enigma. Carl Pilkington, that's your name, mate. It's not. Anyway, it is. anyway, um, no, you just act like him. Tottenham Hotspur are out of the Europa League. Um, it's obviously very disappointing to be eliminated from any competition, especially a a. Uh, European one at that, um, no matter what your feelings are on it. I can't imagine there are many Spurs fans punching the air with delight seeing us lose. However, I will say, um, in what's been a pretty unpleasant season so far, I, I probably took the most solace from from that game because for me, it was one of the few performances this season that the Spurs players actually looked like they, they gave a bit of a shit. Maybe it came a bit too late, but I, I, I thought they gave a really good account of themselves towards the end and it was actually a really exciting end to the contest. I, I tweeted at the time, I'd forgotten what it was like to find football exciting. Um, what did you think about it, Raj? Um, similar, really. As, a, as I say, it was at the time I was pleased to see him playing well and what have you, but um, I think in hindsight, the way I look back on it now, is uh, it's, it's easier to perform when there's no pressure on you, isn't there? By the yeah. time they'd started fighting near the end, they'd already conceded a goal and they're already having to score three. So the fact that they'd scored two in two minutes with the pressure off was, at the time, as I say, um, you know, it felt felt nice to see them having a go. Especially Chad Lee, someone who's been, you know, played down before, who's, who's done well. Had a very good game, didn't he? Yeah, he did fantastic. Harry Kane coming on and, and doing well as well, to be fair to him. Nabil Bentaleb had, a, had probably his finest game in a Tottenham shirt. He was fantastic. Um, but as I say, the, the thing that 
the, the longer I think about it is the fact that they didn't play like that throughout the entire tie. It took them to have no pressure on it. It took them to almost be resigned to the fact they were going out to actually give a go. And I think it's almost reminiscent to, if you remember last season when when Arsenal got beaten at home to Bayern Munich and then they went away there and won because they had no pressure on them, they had no expectation to be going through. It's almost, um, I, I, I don't almost want to play too much on it because it's, it's, it's a hollow kind of, it's a moral victory is kind of a, a small way to think about it, isn't it? It's a, it's a loser's perception of what had happened. And a lot of people have been calling it glorious failure. But it's it's just a failure, really. There's, there wasn't. It would have been glorious failure had we performed like that at home, admirably, and gone down. I, I, I also think, like to, to give Benfica their dues, they're a very good team. Um, I've seen them kind of labelled a number of things on Twitter this week. Uh, a European powerhouse, one of the best sides in Europe. And I think we need to not get ahead of ourselves. They are still an average European team, really, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, um, they're in fantastic uh, form, but they're not they're not they're Barcelona. In, no, they're in fantastic form, but for me, still losing to Benfica is not, with all due respect, glorious failure. Losing to if we lost to Bayern Munich in the way we lost to Benfica, I would say that was glorious failure. In the respect that if we played the way we did in the latter stages against Benfica, then I would against Bayern, then I would say that's brilliant. But to me, still Benfica are a very very good side but still a side that I personally believe we have the personnel to give more of a game to. If not actually beat, you know, if we maybe had a better man in charge or whatever. And, I mean, I, I do want to touch on this with Sherwood because there was a very interesting point raised on, I believe it was a Football Weekly, um, a Football Weekly? The Football Weekly podcast, uh, where they were saying about Sherwood that he he probably is getting a bit of stick um, because of his temperament and, you know, that's that's maybe not something that should be held against him too much. Um, but what he is often relying upon, um, much as we've seen with Paolo Di Canio and we've seen arguably of the likes of Gustavo Poyet, that these type of managers that often come out with these superlatives after a game, we played with pride, we played with passion, the lads gave everything. That only gets you so far. And it is it is good to have your team playing in that fashion. It is. Don't get me wrong. You want your players to care and you want them to be to be playing with that fire in their belly. But as we've seen with teams like Manchester United under Ferguson, um, teams like Chelsea <laughs> under Mourinho, um, they manage to, and this is what makes them great managers, they manage to get their players playing with that passion, but also in that technical fashion, in a structured fashion. And you can't help but feel managers like Sherwood can only go so far in an elite league. You know, if we if we want to stay as an also-ran, if we want to kind of stay a mid-table team, then someone like Sherwood is perfect and he's a great appointment because he will likely get good performances out of players by giving them that kick up the arse, that, you know, that rollicking at half time. But when we need to go that little bit further, if we want to have these kind of dreams realised of being a consistent top four manager, uh, manager, top four team, then we probably do need someone that has a more structured approach to the game. And that's... 
that's what I, th- I, I, I worry that we're, we're never really going to have with someone like Sherwood. And you can see it at the moment, you know, under, under a team like, uh, un- under a manager like Moyes, for example, who's, you know, he's still, I think he's getting a bit of undue stick, but at the same time, he's, he's probably too much the other way in that he has maybe his idea of how he wants the game to be played, but he potentially isn't the greatest man manager. And I think when you're managing a team like Manchester United in particular, coming out halfway through the season and saying we're not title contenders, it's just not in sync with that ethos of the club. Even if it's true, I just don't think you should be saying things like that. And it it, it really does show you how much of an effect these minor nuances can have upon a very talented set of footballers. I mean, Man United, they are, I mean, they're lacking, but they are probably in a false position, especially the way in which they're performing at the moment, when you actually look at the personnel available to them. Um, and I couldn't help but think this when I was watching uh, the, the latter stages of that Benfica game, because I was, I was kind of thinking a lot of these players, I've almost started to think, maybe they're not all that, you know, maybe they're not that brilliant. Um, Paulinho, for example, um, although yeah, he didn't particularly play a role in, in, in the Benfica games. It's more so that I believe it was actually you that pointed out to me, you know, Paulinho's actually just come off the back of an entire Brazilian season and the Confederations Cup and has gone straight into playing for Spurs and has a World Cup coming up afterwards, which he's probably got one eye on. And that the latter part isn't an excuse, perhaps. But when you look at the, the lead up to that and you think about everything he's done, then you think, well, Sandro came in after the back of a Brazilian season and didn't do well. And everyone kind of thought, mm, you know, he's not that good. So, you know, maybe I have been a bit harsh on Polinho. But we do have these players that do have ability and we, we matched, if not bettered Benfica for a lot of that second part. And like you say, when there's that lessened pressure on there, we're a very good team. We have a very good set of players that I think we've almost resigned ourselves to thinking, no, they are a, they are a load of chumps. They are a load of failures when they're really not. Like Christian Eriksen still seems to be developing a hell of a lot as a player, even in what's been a, a pretty turgid season for the team. Um, and let's not forget as well, we're still in contention for fifth place, despite the fact we have not played football really very well at all. So, I don't. Basically, that's a long way of saying I don't want Tim Sherwood to be our manager next year. I know, I, I know, I said I don't want us to get rid of him because I think the continuity will help and this and that. But I don't know. I just, I, I just don't. I don't want him in charge next year. I don't. And it, it's, it's not going to be. It, 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 the board are really going to have to ask themselves some serious questions this summer. Um, but he's he's not the man to carry us forward, um, f- f- in my opinion. Well, we've got all the tools in the box, as you say, to be doing what we're doing. But it's it's almost like a you can I put an analogy on it, like you can hand an F1 car to me or you, but we won't be able to drive it as well as Lewis Hamilton can because we're not F1 drivers. And if you give a a good football team to a manager who's not a good football manager, he's not going to be able to organise them in a fashion that'll don't make them play football that's conducive of the talent that they have unless they ignore the manager and and go about it their own way which you know the teams have in the past I mean Chelsea under Di Matteo and Avram Grant spring to mind I think they pretty much manage themselves for while they were in charge but um 
the other point I wanted to bring up from from what you were saying is, are you Gus Poyer's mum? Because who calls him Gustavo apart from you? Uh, I don't know. Lots of people. I'm just trying to be professional, Raj. You should try it, mate. Give it a it's, go. Is yeah. Gus, Gus Poyer? I don't. I don't think anybody called him by his full name. I don't care. He's stuck up for Suarez. He's a prick. I call him what I want. <laughs> He's lucky I'm not calling him stupid bastard. Yeah, that'd show him, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's, you should have probably just stuck to Gustavo instead of that. And in hindsight, I was wrong to bring it uh, up. What, one thing I did want to touch on um, as well, aside for your mum, was uh, Southampton. Now, if because I'm sensing already people say, well, you know, you're saying show it's not all that. But look, he changed the game against Southampton. A lot of people have said Sherwood has to be commended for turning turning around a Southampton performance when you know you were two 0 down and came right back into it. All he did was take off Mr Dembele, who was half fit and didn't play that well, and replace him with another midfielder, which was Gilfie Sigurdsson. He was hardly inspired. Dembele hadn't trained all week, and he came out after the game and said that. And then, um, while some people have taken the, the quotes out of context and run with him a little bit. Um, I I think the the comparable situation that, that was OTT to be fair. Though. Yeah, the comparable situation in, in terms of handling your personnel was um, I think Everton when Loris had the concussion and he wasn't taken off, and uh, obviously everyone came down on AVB like a ton of bricks and said you should have, in hindsight and medically, you should have probably taken him off, not allowed him to play on, and then he missed the next game, what have you. But um, it was the fact that he allowed him to play and. On, what appeared to be word of mouth from Dembele himself. I mean, Dembele's a professional footballer. Um, it's probably better that he's saying that he wants to play rather than having the excuse to say, I, I don't think I'm fit and I don't want to play. I think that's probably a better sign than not. But, I, you know, give him a fitness test or something. It just seemed, uh, after the game, it's, it, I don't want to make too much of it because some people have, but it, it's an odd decision. And then to then go the other way entirely and laud him too much for, for making a substitution which perhaps shouldn't have had to have been made is um is probably, you know, too much as well. So um while I was happy with the changes that were made and they obviously made a, a better impact, uh, the inclusion of Dembele to begin with was was probably slightly odd. Yeah, I I mean yeah, like I was saying, I think those comments were taken out of context quite a lot. Um but, you know, if a player is coming to you and saying that he really wants to play, he wants to get a season back on track, he's got the World Cup around the corner, then, you know, maybe kudos to Sherwood that he put faith in the player, that if the player's giving him assurances that he can do it, one side of me says kudos to him, the other side says, well, the manager needs to have some conviction. But, you know, give him the benefit of the doubt on that one. Um but yeah, I mean Southampton, the the bigger picture. It was it was a, it was a good turnaround. Um, yeah, the first half wasn't all Dembélé's fault. I mean, we can't just pin the first half on him. That would be entirely unfair as well. Uh, what would what do you what do you make of it, mate? Because it, it, Pochettino has said after the game, Tottenham didn't win that. Southampton lost it, um, and I, I I personally think that's quite unfair, and I think that's. That's a particularly sour side to Pochettino's personality that's coming out as he is witnessing his side, um, you know, in his own words, losing a lot of games at the moment because they really have fallen off the pace. And in the second half, for, for me, they, they rarely threatened. Um, yeah, you know, 
give him his dues or whatever. You know, he's 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 done fairly well. He's developed a few good players. But do you think that we we deserve the three points? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, the second half performance to come out was fantastic. Uh, I think the the thing that I took out of it the most was how well Soldado and Ericsson played together. And I mean, so, yeah, Bobby, very very good. That's something that we, we've said for a while that we wanted to see um, Soldado playing with somebody creative behind him, and the work ethic from him, even though he didn't score, was fantastic. He's some of the play he had, some of the touches. I mean, the, the one in the first half, just before half time, where he, he first time. He touched it so softly with his feet that, you know, feet so soft that he could give you a massage with them just to play it into Ericsson's. Ericsson's path was fantastic. I mean, that's that's the sort of touch that had Ericsson scored, people would have been going on about that assist for a while. Um, and then you know, pushing over Lovren in the corner, I don't think that was a foul whatsoever. I mean, Lovren went over far too easily, probably thought he was going to get the foul. Um, but the ball across the box, I mean, he made it look easier than it was because he had a, a good goalkeeper there to, to play it past and two defenders running backwards to, to put it on a plate for Ericsson. Um So his performance throughout the game was fantastic. He didn't have that many chances himself to score, but with what he had, he did well in terms of you know playing off the ball and running around and debutising for Adibayor. I mean, he, he showed that he can play that role without scoring, which was fantastic. And, and again, Ericsson was there to, to score the goals. He he often swapped with Chadley to come inside and his best play was when he'd, when he'd come inside and Chadley had gone wider. And he, he involved he was involved in the game much much more heavily when he was there. So I'm, I'm pleased to see that's happening. And I, was, I said after the game that I almost want for the rest of the season, now we, we've not really got anything to play for. Fourth place is between Everton and Arsenal probably. Um, we've, we've, we're not really in that race anymore. I wouldn't say, um, even though the Arsenal, are, you know, they seem to be on a, a downward, a downward spiral to, to steal a, a popular phrase. But I wouldn't say that fourth place is something that we're, we're realistically in, in touching, touching distance of. So, I'd, um, I'd want to see Soldado and Eriksson now just given every game until the end of the season to play next to each other because. On last week's pod- podcast, we both said that Adibayor's probably probably a good idea to let him go in the summer, just for just for the sake of not losing him the year after for for no money whatsoever. And you know, it, it probably uh, if we're going to bring in a new manager, it's, you never know how Adibayor's going to get on with him um, at the end of the day because he, he could be his um, be his number one man, just like he is under Sherwood, or he could go the other way like he was under AVB and he has under previous manager. I mean. There's there's managers that have fallen out with him all over the place. Mancini did it at uh, Man City, and he was he was ostracised there and put to one side. And same thing happened to him at Arsenal when he he fell out with Wenger and and just wanted to leave there. So I mean he, he has got a track record for doing that. So we, we we might be better off for for letting him go in the summer and actually making some money back. Not to sound too much like Daniel Levy, but um, I it, it, that was the thing that pleased me the most. Um, Soldado and Eriksson. And if we if we can allow them to play together for the rest of the season, I think establishing that partnership is, is going to be very important. Carl Norton had a bit of a mare in the first half, but again, he seemed to turn it around. And for all the stick he's gotten, and you know, probably rightly so throughout the season, he uh, he he has looked like he's developing a bit in the past couple of games. He's he's probably not ever going to be at the level we need him to be, um, but I still think he can make 
a decent premiership career for himself, personally. Yeah, lower end premiership career, somewhere like Norwich or somewhere with this. Somewhere like, Hull. Yeah, Hull would, you know. Hull would have him. Yeah, um, he's he's not. He's. He's, he's almost like Jake Livermore, whereas he'll always put in a good shift. He'll always try his hardest. He'll always do better if he has a run of games in the side just to get a bit of a head of steam up and get feel comfortable within himself. But um, I don't think he's ever going to be a Champions League uh, right back if that's what we, we're still aspiring to be. I don't think that's somewhere we, we should be, someone we should be falling back on if, if Carl Walker gets injured. No, I'd love old uh, Callum Chambers, who he, he came on for Southampton, looked very good. As did, uh, I've got to give him a shout out again, Adam Lalana, another great performance. Like, he really is a, he is a fantastic little footballer. As I saw uh, someone say on Twitter, he just has the makings of a Tottenham player. Um, whether or not he's probably a bit outside of our price range, and I think there's probably a few bigger, bigger fish circling for him now. Um, I think he's he's a fine little footballer, Adam Lallana, and I'd very much like to see England take him to the World Cup. And what I will do, I'm going to put my stake in the ground here, Raj, and I'm going to say Jordan Henderson could only dream of being as good a midfielder as Adam Lallana. I'm going to say that. The different types of midfielder. But, um, yeah, different types, but, you know. And as far as flair and natural talent goes, Adam Lallana streets ahead, yeah. But, um, I mean, in terms of Lallana coming to Tottenham, He'd be directly competing against Christian Eriksen, who's a few years younger than him, to be playing just behind the striker. So, is that something you'd would you want to see Eriksen dislodged in favour of Lallana? It's a good question. It's a good question. Personally, um, I, personally, I wouldn't. I'd I'd rather stay with with Eriksen and allow him to to develop in our first team. Um, I mean, Lallana's a fantastic player, but um, I wouldn't want to. If you're going to be looking at it in a squad manner, I won't want to dislodge him um, in order for, to accommodate you know, him. For how he's playing at the moment, if we were to play like a forward four, so if you're playing one lone striker and three kind of behind, I would, yeah, I'd take Lalana in the middle or even play him out on the right. If you, you were to have Lalana up in a kind of advanced right, cutting inside role, I think you, they can operate. So Ericsson out on the left or Lalana out on the right or both through that central channel. And I think you could get some nice play between the two of them. Um, I think maybe Lalana works a bit harder than Ericsson does at the moment, perhaps a bit more industrious, but whatever. I think they're both very exceptional footballers. I'd very rather have, um, I'd rather um, build a spine around uh, midfield of having Sandro in there, Holtby in there deeper, and Ericsson behind the striker. And I think they're, they're players that I want to I wanna see more of and I mean do you think, I think we can ever rely on Sandro properly though again what in terms of injury yeah hopefully he's a young player so we should be hopefully getting over it more than um than than he could do I mean this summer he won't be going to the World Cup um I wouldn't think I think Brazil's squad pretty much picks itself and sadly he's not there I think it would have been nice for him to go because um, he's not a type of player that Brazil traditionally really produce um I think being selfish from a club perspective, it's probably good for us that he has a summer off and uh, the club has him do a little bit of rehab and keep himself fit. Then if he gets a decent um, decent uh, pre-season under his belt, he should be should be raring to go for next season. And uh, I'd love to see him with the arm man next year. But um, I've seen, uh, seen more of those players, but of course um, uh, there's quite a few people who've seen quite a lot of Lewis Holby recently, so... 
<laughs> I mean, have you, have you seen that story? Quite possibly my favourite thing to happen this season. He sent a picture of his private parts to a uh, to a, a young lady, to an air stewardess, didn't uh, he? Air hostess, I like the way you dress. Do you not remember that Busted I'd make I'd make fun of you for singing Busted, but I was just listening to My Chemical Romance before we started recording, so that, that's worse. I won't. Oh, no, behave, mate. Behave. It's worse. Busted were actually quite good. Oh, you you wanted to preserve a bit of dignity now, mate. Anyway, let's move forwards. <laughs> We've got um, what is potentially, well, most likely to be a horrendous afternoon in store for us as we make the trip up to Anfield to play what is a pretty spectacularly... Racist 11. Yeah. Um, I was going to say helmetish, horrible, smelly. No, uh, a, a brilliant Liverpool side um, who wiped the floor of us at White Hart Lane. So we're, we're, we're going to be talking to uh, a kind of plastic scouser. So, yeah, once again, we are joined by Mr. Michael Sinerton, um, social social media manager, should we say, for Nike UK and uh, formerly of Crystal Palace. How are you doing, Mike? I'm good, thanks. I, I preferred last time, didn't you? I think there was the word guru in there. No, it was, it was social media powerhouse. Oh, powerhouse. Well, either's better than just manager, but thank you very much. Manager, but it, it, uh, manager's a bit authoritative, though, isn't it? Authoritative. That's the one thing I lack. I, I, I don't know. I don't know about that, mate. You're very stern when you need to be. Thank you. But uh, and we're also joined this evening by uh, by Danny, who is the sports editor for the Jewish Chronicle. How are you doing, Danny? Yeah, very well, thank you. Good evening, chaps. Not to worry. Thank you very much for joining us, sir. Um, so let's well let's cut in first of all with how. How the game went at White Hart Lane because that that was a particularly particularly painful experience for myself and Raj. I, I, I hate speaking on your behalf, Raj, but I will do. It was painful, wasn't it, mate? Yeah, I don't know why you're starting here, to be honest. I'd have much prefer to ignore this game. I just want to get it out of the way, mate. It's, it's there, you know? Yeah. I mean, Mike, I remember you, you were saying that you, you couldn't quite believe it as it was happening, um, and almost that your players seemed a bit embarrassed near the end, that they were just comprehensively putting us to the sword. I mean, the reason why I do want to highlight it, it Raj, because it was a turning point of our season, you know, it was the, the game in which Andre Villas-Boas' tenure as our manager came to an end. You're just purposely um, trying to upset me now. Well, yeah, a little bit, mate, a little bit. I like to, like to see you cry. Um, first of all, lads, I mean, Was it a surprise? I'm sure it was a surprise to, to beat the mighty Tottenham Hotspur 5-0 at White Hart Lane. Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I remember thinking, uh, I think I said on the, on your podcast, I think I said I'd sort of settle for two all and we had a bit of a dodgy uh, record at White Hart Lane. And then it was a bit like watching um, a team who, I mean, Rodgers has done a great job in, in kind of gelling Liverpool and it looked like we'd been together for four or five years and, and had a real game plan and knew exactly what we were doing. And yours kind of looked like, like uh, the transfer window had just closed, and no one really knew who actually played where and when. And and yeah, it kind of it got to the stage where I was watching it, I think, with like four Liverpool fans, and we were just kind of sort of chuckling at the uh, <laughs> the ineptitude of Spurs, which you know doesn't normally happen in these games. It may happen for you guys more often than me, but um, yeah, it was, it was a little bit embarrassing, wasn't it? It was indeed. I mean, what about you, Danny? What were your thoughts as you were watching it? 
I was actually at the game. I was fortunate enough to get a ticket, although in, in the Spurs end, um, behind the goal where most of the goals went in. And I was with my eight-year-old. Uh, no, actually, sorry, I wasn't with my son at that one. L- luckily, he wasn't there because he would have been shouting his head off and we would have got some funny looks. But um, I, I turned up at the game. Um, I, I think at the time we'd we'd got a couple of good wins over Norwich and West Ham. But Spurs, you never know what to expect. So I would have taken a draw before the game. And then when the goals started flying in, um, uh, I guess as as most Liverpool fans now going into uh, well coming up to Mar- coming up to April and we're we're second just behind Chelsea, I was pinching myself as the goals went in. I mean, Rog, what what went so catastrophically wrong for Spurs that afternoon or that evening? I think it was um, because it is it's quite possibly the worst, if not one of the worst Tottenham performances I've ever seen in my life. It was horrific. Um, it was a patchwork defence that day, wasn't it? We didn't have anyone fit, as far as I can remember. It wasn't Cal Norton and Friars playing. Um, so we, we started on a on a bad on a bad foot um, with half a defence against them. And then I don't think Sandro was fit either. So we had no real defensive midfielder. And I don't think Kabu was fit either, so... We had no really. No, Kapu was the centre back. What well, was Kapu centre back that day? Yeah. No, that's one. Of, again, he's not a centre back, is he? So. Do you, do you think that's we're almost letting ourselves off the hook a bit with that, mate? No, it's one of the contributing factors. The fact that um, we conceded so quickly um, is one of the bad things, and obviously, one of Tim Sherwood's favourite words, the, the capitulation that followed, um, was uncalled for. I mean, they, they let the heads go down, and um, was there a sending off? There was a sending yeah, off there, indeed. Was a sending off as well, which wasn't great. Was it, who got sent off? Polino. Yeah. Yeah. So that's another midfielder who's supposed to be a bit more defensive that day for us. Who got sent off? So it, um, it was just one um, one bad thing that happened after another, really. Um, and after having been hammered by by City not long beforehand, Liverpool just kind of had it up them and and did what they did. Really, um, it was after after a couple of goals. What happened afterwards was no real surprise. And they've continued to do that for the rest of the season. So, um, I mean, it, I wouldn't have sacked our manager on the back of it. But, um, you know, them's the breaks, really. I mean, what what have you... I can imagine that, you know, you guys are probably quite shocked. Cause I, I, no one tipped Liverpool to, to do what they've done this season. I don't think I've seen a, a, a single pundit or anyone come out with any sort of I told you so... Because it has come completely out of the blue, you guys really having the sort of season you are. I mean, is is it all down to Sturridge and Suarez? Or I mean, I don't think anyone thought uh, Stephen Gerrard had a season like this in him. To be honest, um, especially in that kind of deeper role, and that's kind of a lot of I think a lot of Liverpool fans are questioning. You know, like if Lucas wasn't fit, or even if he was, whether we had a kind of midfield two or three who could compete in. In a, at a kind of Champions League level in, in terms of like top four in the Premier League. And uh, I think he's kind of almost solved a massive problem just by being able to adapt so well to that role. Uh, Jordan Henderson's obviously come on a lot. And then and then the two up front have just got better and better. It, like Suarez has come on a lot from last year, which, which, you know, you'd have a hard time believing given how good he was last year. And Daniel Surridge seems to... Uh, Basically, be putting everyone to shame who said he was too selfish to be a top-class striker, probably me included. 
I, I've never said anything bad about Daniel Sturridge whatsoever. No, you're always really positive about him. <laughs> I have been. I mean, Danny, do you think the fact that you have had mega cup runs and not had any European football has played into your success this year? I mean, can you see yourself sustaining it next year where you are quite obviously going to be in the Champions League? Is it is it mathematical anymore or are you 100% there now? No, I don't think it's not. Nothing's done and dusted yet. Um, I think, as you, as you mentioned, the lack of FA Cup and Capital Cup and also European uh, campaign uh, ha- has helped um, incredibly. But... Uh, as has been touched on already, um, for me, Jordan Henderson's been unbelievable this season. People were mocking him. It's, uh, if you remember, Alex Ferguson talked about his bizarre running running style, but he, he's been one of the ones who stepped up to the plate big time this season. John Flanagan, another one, um, solved a fullback problem and, and proved that you can kind of um, produce from within uh, teams like Chelsea, uh, have, have been for the last few years under the Abramovich era. They've just been buying rather than trying to produce from their academy. So uh, Flanagan has been uh, an, an incredible success story. And also, I think uh, what Rogers has done um, in a very short space of time. I, I was heartbroken when when Daglish, uh lost the job there, and I wasn't convinced that Rogers was the right man but again uh, in a very short space of time he's he's taken the team to, to a level and also playing with a style that few Liverpool fans would have dreamt uh, possible in such a short time. Yeah I don't think you can give him enough credit really like I think these days you you almost would question going into a club you'd almost be like right who play, who's going to play out on the wing of Suarez and Sturridge because you have to play one up front at the top level to get through in midfield and and yet he's managed to come up with different solutions for different games, be it like a diamond in midfield. Uh, again, I think there was an Old Trafford or be it one of them slightly drifting in for the wing. And he, he's managed to keep them both happy enough uh, and and not really affect the balance of the team too badly. Do you know what I, I find quite interesting? Not to go not to go too deep. Um, but when you actually look at Brendan Rodgers, if you look at him in his kind of career before Liverpool with Swansea um, and in his early days at Liverpool, he was kind of, you know, he was quite, you know, Chubby, he was kind of seemed quite unsure of himself. He, he, you know, he had those like horrible things with the behind the scenes, whatever it was inside Liverpool. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, the envelope and all that kind of crap. But when you look at him this year, you know, it looks like, personally speaking, he's he's lost a lot of weight. He looks like he's kind of he's <laughs> putting a lot of kind of care into his appearance, the way he comes across in interviews to the media. To everything, he just seems a lot more serious. He seems a lot more self-assured. It, it's almost like he's, it, 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 you know, whether it's to, to be cliche, chicken and egg and or, or, yeah, that kind of thing. But how much of his kind of, how much of Liverpool's kind of success is also coming off the back of someone that's maturing very much as, as, a, as a person and as a manager um, with his own abilities? Because it's always like he had that raw ability there. Um, with Swansea and Liverpool took that gamble um, whereas maybe some other clubs didn't and they thought you know this guy's young he's promising and it seems to be paying off for you now Um, I still think it'll be interesting to see whether or not you can sustain the kind of form you have this year because I think one thing I would say as an outsider is your squad isn't that deep is it really no I agree I think I think yeah he's shown himself to be like a real pragmatist rather than perhaps the, the dreamer that he came across as in some of his 
in some of his, uh, you know, Brendan, uh, yeah. uh, some of his quotes early in the season. And, and also, you know, at Swansea, you could argue, he, you know, he played very attacking football and uh, sometimes left himself open at the back. And whilst we still do that, he's, he's kind of shown that he will adapt for, for different games. I think our home defensive record's actually actually fairly decent. Um, I think, I mean, next year will be kind of, I guess, the acid test. But I think as a Liverpool fan, at the moment, you're just like, let's deal with that when it comes because this season is the most fun we've had in a long, long time. And I, and I, th- I think also, other than Mignolet, um, he hasn't really, he hasn't spent and, and the budget ha- hasn't been the be-all and end-all with him. Um, he, he's got a, a, a style and system that that's working and M- Mignolet is really the only... Uh, major signing. Obviously, Reina Reina wanted a, a fresh challenge, so it went on loan to Napoli. And uh, I, I doubt Liverpool fans will see him again in a in a, in a, in a red or green shirt. Um, but with the exception of Mignolet, uh, Rogers knew that they didn't have any European football of any description, so he stuck with what he had. He didn't get the targets he wanted in the in the January window. Um, and he's worked very well with what he's got. He's got playing playing a system that is bringing the best out of the players, and is going to lay the foundations for f- future seasons, regardless of if we finish first, second, third, or fourth this season. From from where you're sat, Raj, as a Spurs fan, what would you say you've been most impressed with by by Liverpool this season? Um, I mean, I'm, I, I, I can only assume that you weren't expecting them to have the year that they are. Oh no, I wasn't. I think the most impressive thing about Liverpool is just how blind an eye they can tie to having a, a racist as their talisman. Um, oh, come that's, on. that's fantastic way to build your club. Um, I mean, the comparison of of him and Gareth Bale being sold is one that irks me um, quite fantastically, to be honest. Because um, Gareth Bale is one of the most marketable players in the world when we sold him. Uh, his commercial value, as well as his value as a player was what made him worth £80 million. And um, Luis Suarez at the time was, a, was in the middle of a... Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Suspension for biting another professional and was a walking PR nightmare. So the fact that he wasn't sold was more to do with the fact that he's a a racist cheat and a horrible man, and uh, Gareth Bale isn't. He's a clean-living young professional with a nice young family. I mean, the fact that Luis Suarez had been on a PR offensive for a year, uh, licking newspapers' asses, uh, having dinners with journalists, taking pictures with kids, it's almost like a politician before a uh, before an election. It's, um, it's quite funny to watch, really, but... Uh, I, w- I was going to get onto this a bit later, but you know, you've, you've dived I can't, straight I can't in. Ignore it, really. It's the first thing when, whenever Liverpool's mentioned, I, I think back to them while wearing Luis Suarez's innocent t-shirts, and I kind of do a bit of a sick in my mouth, and 
think of Nick Griffin going to bed at night with one of those T-shirts on, smiling them to himself. So it's um, it's something I can't look past. It's half the reason I don't like Liverpool as much as I do at the moment. Um, you know, Kenny Dalglish there, smiling to himself, being an old degenerate in his post-match conf- his press conferences. And then having to... I mean, that was half the reason he got sacked as well, is the fact that he didn't know what he was saying. He didn't know his ass from his elbow when he was trying to talk to the press in terms of sticking up for his players. It was... It's a horrible period for them. They, you remember they had that, that that lad who was writing that comedic blog and then they had the head of communication and got sacked as well for threatening him and his family. Um, yeah, who, who was that? What was his name? Jen Chang. Yeah, he was a joke uh, as well. Duncan Jenkins? Yeah, it was, it was Duncan, Jen- yeah, Duncan Jenkins it was, yeah. That's the one. He had. He was a comedian or something. He was writing his his blog was just a joke and he was, almost, he was just refeeding things that were in the papers. And um, that lad accused him of adding money on top of transfers and putting Liverpool business in jeopardy, like taking him out to restaurants and threatening him and saying that he was going to send winding up orders to his house and what have you. And I mean, that period of Liverpool, it, was, it wasn't that long ago, um, was an absolute farce. Um, so the fact they're doing so well this season, obviously on the pitch, it's, it's good for them to see. They're playing good football, they've, they've got a good team, but the... Uh, the nucleus of that team is a is a you know a little racist. So I, I don't want to give well, well, up. Well, well, I don't about a nucleus. Well, you take him out of the team. Obviously, he wasn't there for the start of the year. But you're not the same team, are you? I mean, one one thing I would say, um, not to yeah. just to, uh, to 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 jump in um, there on on the Suarez stuff. I mean, I, I think personally speaking, in my opinion, the way Liverpool handled it was appalling um and you know i think the, the club does have a lot to answer for um in, in in the way that they have kind of pushed that that issue the fact that suarez has been unrepentant in 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 the uh, in the act should we say is something that grates at me very much as well however um i think as much as liverpool are at fault for the way it was all handled I also have to point a finger at the wider media as well because they are just as responsible for his his kind of um, ter- like transformation into what is essentially a racist um, into just a kind of lovable, well, not lovable, like love him or hate him kind of divisive figure as, as you might call someone like Robbie Savage. Um, I think the way they've kind of played the whole thing down is is pretty shameful but if we just if we just move it back to to football for <laughs> for a minute or so like the actual the game itself um how how you know do you, are you going to win the title lads basically are you going to win the title do you think you can no 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 i don't think so but I mean, I'd love to say we can, but we've won seven games on the bounce, which is absolutely incredible. But I think to win the title, we'd probably need to win the next seven on the bounce or or certainly six of seven. And I just think eventually we'll drop points. I don't think we're going to necessarily tail off and and have an awful end to the season. But I just think, are we going to beat Man City and Chelsea at home? Um, You know, we... We played well in both the away games, but uh, obviously came away with very little. Um, I don't know, you just you kind of back Mourinho to get the job done in terms of eking out points for Chelsea and, and then equally City have got a game in hand. And if they 
they beat Arsenal away this weekend, then I, I kind of their squad's so much stronger, isn't it? Um, and they don't have the distractions that we've kind of been able to take advantage of the rest of the season. But you know, it's, it's just great to be <laughs> sad, but it's just great to be involved in the title race, uh, and it is still a genuine possibility. Albeit, I don't think we will win the league. I got a lot. Can we win it? Yes. Will we win it? I personally, I think Chelsea will win it, despite their Champions League distractions. Um, I think they've got the easy, easiest run in. Um, but yeah, City got the games in hand. They've got the best squad, I'd say, man for man. Um, but at, at this stage, it's wide open, and I'd rather have points in the bag. Just so, because it kind of feels like the the elephant in the room. I mean. Obviously, you know you're not you're not pers- neither of you are personally responsible or culpable for the actions of Luis Suarez or anything like that. Um, I mean, just yeah, obviously. But what are your what are your kind of thoughts on the whole thing? If you if you did care to add anything on that, because it seems unfair that we wouldn't have your kind of you know opinion or thoughts on that. Uh, it's a pretty sorry episode that I'm glad behind the club, I guess. Uh, maybe that's glossing over it slightly, which is probably like rose tinted. Uh, I, I agree that it was handled like absolutely appallingly. And that was a pretty horrible period, uh, to be a fan, the whole, like the t-shirts and some of the post-match press conferences, like that was a pretty shameful time and a real low point. Uh, now, I mean, yeah, you, you, I guess you can't get past the fact, but I, if you're a Liverpool fan, you kind of have. You, I feel like you have two choices, and one is you just accept that uh, he's a Liverpool player and you support him whilst he is, uh, or or you kind of just turn against the team for the period whilst we have him playing as a footballer. Uh, and you know, I guess probably most of us have taken the option to support him as a footballer whilst he's at Liverpool. Uh, for for me, I think if you, there's been three. Well, two other uh, similar instances with John Terry and more recently Nicholas Anelka. Um, and, and to the best of my knowledge, all three clubs have, have stood by their man until until the punishment has been in place. Um, with Suarez, obviously, his first offence was, was not good and something you don't want to see at, at your club. Um Oh, and then he went on with the biting one with Ivanovic, and for me that was the last straw. I wanted I wanted the club to wash wash their hands of him and cash in, uh, not to Arsenal but somewhere in Europe. Um, there's actually a very good uh, piece if you have a look uh, by a well-respected uh, writer on Liverpool Football Club called Paul Tompkins. Uh, that, that was on Twitter, the link earlier in the week, um, and. Whether it was Gerald's influence, Rogers, but the the change uh, of Suarez's body language, especially on the pitch this season, where he's smiling a lot more, diving less, uh, picking opponents up, and he just he's just come across as a very different persona. Um, but the, the the instance with um, Evra last year was one that Liverpool fans, uh, the ones who stood by him. Um, they know deep down it, it was the wrong thing to do. Um, but the, the club, as with Chelsea and West Brom, brand image is is the biggest factor, really, just to make sure you keep all your fans across the globe happy. Um, and only when the punishment is set in stone, then the clubs eventually do the right thing, because that's what they're told to do. Well, um, 
Well, well, thanks, sir. Thanks for jumping in on that one, guys. Um, it's uh, it's an emotive topic, and Raj, if if you're not if you're not aware, he is our he is our paxman most of the time. Um, I'm just kind of the the wobbly make weight kind of that tries to keep everyone happy. The Jake Humphrey. <laughs> oh God, don't come in. He's not um, good looking as Jake Humphrey. Yeah, I'm better looking. There you go. Okay. Um, let's go to a few of our list of questions. We've got the Spurs poet who said, with the, the financial capability of City and Chelsea, is this your only and best chance to win the league at the moment? Uh, logically, yes, but then no one would have thought we had any chance this season. So, uh, you know, with we definitely have uh, kind of better spending power in terms of parity with them once we're in the Champions League. So... I, I guess, you know, you never know. Who, it depends who we sign. We'll, have, we'll be able to sign better players who we previously couldn't compete with. So I, I don't think you could say, yes, it is. It feels like uh, if we didn't win the title this season, then uh, you'd expect Chelsea and City to strengthen in terms of like money more than we will. But uh, if Rodgers keeps buying the right players, then you'd kind of back Liverpool to be a, a contender for a while at least. And I think the other thing to factor in is uh, the financial fair play, which um, Chelsea and City, with all their spending and pulling power, um, it's going to be interesting to see how that impacts uh, clubs like Arsenal, who've got lots of money in the bank and they've built a new stadium at the same time while while remaining in the top four. Uh, so the next couple of seasons are very interesting, whereas United have fallen back um, Everton, despite a change of manager, they've had another very good season. Spurs have had ups and downs this season, but they're still top six, which uh, is respectable. Um, as with Liverpool, whether or not they can replicate their form next season, I think as long as Suarez and Sturridge stay there, it's going to be hard for any team in this country or in Europe to to stop them featuring prominently. Um, but Ch- Ch- Chelsea and City... You, unless unless an Abramovich or the or the Sheikh leaves uh, in the summer or or in future summers, it's going to be hard to see past them. Um, well, that's this is an interesting point you raised there about Suarez staying because we've had one from at Sneers Morga who uh, says, "Do you think Madrid's summer shopping list includes Luis Suarez?" Or at least, do you think you'll be able to hold on to him? Should we maybe translate that too? Uh, I, I imagine we'll probably hold on to him. If I mean, we're going to get in the Champions League, you know, barring the collapse of all collapses. And given that he signed that contract in December, and <clears throat> excuse me, has generally been happier on the pitch and off the pitch at the club. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, you can never really resist teams like Real Madrid, as <laughs> as Spurs fans might be aware. But. Um, You'd imagine he'd, he'd probably stay now. I'm, I'm sure he is on Madrid's wish list. He's also probably on Chelsea and City's wish list. Um, I, but, can't, I can't see uh, selling with him within the Premiership, though. No, I can't, I can't see selling, selling in the Premiership, but unfortunately a contract isn't worth the piece of paper it's written on this day and age. So who, who knows? But um, if we do finish top three, top four or, or higher... Uh, for, for me, he's done his job, and if you want to describe him as damaged goods, given his his, his history in the last couple of seasons, um, I think 
put Liverpool back on the right track. Although, at the same time, the majority of Liverpool fans obviously wouldn't want him to go. Okay. And we've had one from at Penn Tim. Um, Put it to Mike first. Who do you think is the weak link in your side? And who would you like to replace them in summer? Uh, The good thing at the moment is that if you look at the first level, there aren't many kind of massive weak links. Probably fullback is the is the questionable area. Uh, I guess you'd want some cover at, at centre half, but but generally you'd want cover everywhere. We've got a real issue of you know the if a Sterling or a Suarez gets a long term injury, you're bringing in an, an Aspas or someone like that. And really, I just want to add uh, four or five quality players who can supplement the first eleven kind of and actually challenge those players. Uh, Maybe uh, like uh, a Yang, a Yan Vertonghen might be quite nice. Who can play uh, left back and centre back? Have the miserable bastard. <laughs> How about you, Danny? What, what do you make of your team? Yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, been very happy with the the, the league campaign, especially um, the weak link. He hasn't been a mainstay of the team, but Colo Toure uh, had my reservations when he signed, and he's cost us a, f- a few points with. Um, Bad, bad errors, uh, and we could be a couple of points clear at the top had it not been for those. So, wouldn't be too sad to see the back of him. Uh, as has been touched on, I think we need squad players for our hopeful Champions League and domestic cup campaigns. And I think a player who fits the bill for me, although he's uh, revealed he's a Chelsea fan, so probably puts them top of the list, but someone like a, a Luke Shaw, young English fullback, loves to get up and down. Um, footballing defender, exactly the kind of blueprint that uh, Brendan Rodgers is looking for. He's all right, isn't he, that Luke Shaw? They've got quite a few decent players, Southampton. We were just talking about them before we uh, before we started talking to you guys. So. Yeah, Lallana would be nice. Do you think, where would you, where would you uh, I mean, because he'd, he'd assumably be doing a similar thing to what Coutinho is doing for you at the moment, isn't he, in terms of where he'd play? Yeah, it'd just be another option to for that kind of attacking, I don't know, Trident or whatever. He could play in Coutinho's position, he could play in, in Sterling's. I know they sometimes interchange, but he'd be, he'd be quite a good attacking option. I, I mean, I don't, I, God knows how much money he'd cost, but I'd, you'd assume he, he wouldn't be the earth. Okay. Uh, why not one other one just to throw in? Again, wouldn't happen given his uh, allegiances, but Ross Barkley, um, great, great young player. Oh, that, would be a, that would be a cat amongst pigeons, wouldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> um, I've had one from here from Jim, who is at Stylish Riot, who says, "Have you ever found yourselves walking alone?" Okay, bit of bants rolling in the banter bus there, lads. As I can see, it's been treated with probably the the, the humorous response it, it deserves. No, no, no response. That was cool. fucking awful. Yeah, well, it wasn't me asking it. Well, it was me actually asking it, but there you go. Right, stylish, right? Keep your questions to yourself for the next time. Um, the, <laughs> Sorry, mate. I dropped out there. It's probably for the best that you did, mate. Um, the game itself, boys. Um, <laughs> I'm assuming you're just expecting us to get smashed, that Liverpool are going to triumph in a convincing fashion. Uh, I definitely, I think we're expecting a win. I wouldn't say anything convincing. A uh, couple of goals, maybe three-one. I don't know. It's, 
I get less and less confident as we get near the end of the season, but I guess that's just naivety. If you look at everything on paper, then it should be a relatively comfortable win. Uh, Sherwood seems to not quite have the uh, managerial capabilities to kind of do it at the very top level. Um, I, th- I think, although we've been free from cut commitments, uh, especially in the second half of the season, we, uh, to me, we looked a little bit tired in the last 15 minutes and also very nervous. I think once Sunderland got, got a goal back and had hit the woodwork already, uh, the crowd, I think nerves were creeping into the crowd and it reflected on, on, onto the pitch. Um, I think it's important Liverpool start fast and score an early goal um, because they're, they're defending at set pieces and crosses, just a basic square ball across the back four, uh, whether it's on the floor or in the air, with a player like Adebayor around. Um, it, I, I can see Spurs asking a few questions at the back, so it's a, it could be, I think, a high-scoring game. Uh, the only, or the, the main tactical decision Rogers seems to be mulling over at the moment is whether to start Coutinho or Sterling. Yesterday, Coutinho got the nod. Sterling came on at the end, but we, we we weren't attacking too freely at the end. So um, I think, for me, Sterling should start on, on the right side against Spurs and have a, have a run at, at at their left side, Danny Rose. Uh, I think Spurs are very gettable down that side, as they were in, in the match at White Hart Lane, where Liverpool had a lot of success. How are you seeing it, Raj? Um, not favourably. Um, I mean, Liverpool have, have been really good at home. Um, I think the defence is questionable. Whether or not we can ask questions of them <laughs> is, a, is an entirely different matter. Um, Soldado and Ericsson play as well as they did on the weekend, and hopefully it'll be good. Chadley's coming into form as well. Will Soldado and Ericsson play, though, mate? I'd hope so, if Adi Bayo's fit. As I said earlier in a, in a previous part, I'd, in the interest of establishing a partnership between the two of them, um, I think that's almost more important than, than where we finish in the league now because where we finish in the league is now much of a muchness in terms of what we're going to achieve. I think looking forward into next season, um, establishing a partnership between those two and testing whether or not there can be a partnership established there by giving them a, a run of games together in the fashion in which they played on the weekend is, is most important. So if we have Soldado with Ericsson behind him and Adibayor, if he's fit, relegated to the bench to come on if we need him into, to perhaps exchange and maybe join Saldada later on and um, that's always one way to play I mean there's there's been a lot of talk after Sunderland's three at the back worked well but um, I don't think we've got the full backs for that to be fully explored properly um, I'm not sure if Carl Walker's going to be fit or not so Carl Norton playing as a as a wing back giving him even more to think about having to having to actually go forward and defend properly as part of his role um, isn't the best his best two performances this season in the the past couple of games where he's he's done okay in patches have been when he's he's not really crossed the halfway line. And if you're playing as a wing back, that's your job. Your job's to be almost be sat on the halfway line and be and be reacting as to to where the ball is and who's got it. So I don't think he's comfortable enough to be doing that. And Danny Rose hasn't been in any sort of form either to be playing that full back position over there. Um, the other choices for wing backs, I mean, you could you could try Aaron Lennon as that sort of position, but. He's not been in the greatest of form and he's looking tired at the moment, having come back from another injury this season. So it's, you know, he's not the best option. And Townsend on the other side, I'm I'm not entirely sure whether or not we'd want to see him coming against some of Liverpool's attacking players when when we're inevitably going to be pinned back at some point. So 
I'd, I'd not want to deviate away and try and play a different system when we've we've got four at the back. I'd, I'd just kind of stick to stick to what we know for now. I don't think it's one to roll the dice on as um, as fashionable as it is. It's just not something I, I think we've got the the relevant personnel for at this moment in time. Um, I hope to see us play well. Uh, whether or not we can win or not is 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 you know beyond beyond a question. I think I don't think it's something we're going to be able to do, unfortunately. Um, although I'd love to be proven wrong. Um, a draw is probably, probably a, yeah. I mean, a, a draw is probably our best um, best shout in this one. But um, I think if as long as we don't let them score as early, I don't think we'll be beaten as badly as we were at White Hart Lane. Hopefully, but um, you know, if it's if they do score early and we are pinned back and and they do get it up and fairly quickly, then you know it could be four and fives again, which is it's is disappointing thing to have to. Have to you know admit really? What are you uh, What are you saying for score, Mike? Uh, I get three one Liverpool, but you know what do I know? Danny, what do you What do you reckon about score? Um, yeah, three three one sounds about right to me. Um, we scored twice as many goals as Spurs this year, but only conceded one less. So, if you compare our defensive record to Chelsea and City, who are in their their twenties. You, you can see Spurs scoring, given their attacking personnel. Um, but at the same time, being at home, fast start, we need to take the game to them. And, and Spurs, as we know, are very, very gettable. Um, again, you can't look past Suarez and Sturridge ca- causing lots of problems. How about you, Roger Baines? What do you reckon, mate? Score? 4-2, uh, Liverpool, maybe. I'm going to say 3 0. I can't see a scoring. <laughs> Confidence oozing out of you two. Um, yeah. <laughs> we tried that at the start of the year, mate, and it, look where it got us. Fair point. It's good. Actually, most of the time when Jack predicts us to lose, we end up winning, so hopefully that lucky charm will come back again. To be honest, I'm not actually, I, I don't even have that in my mind. It's not a case that, you know, I think, oh, maybe if I, I predict us to lose, we'll, we'll win. I just think we're going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> just have no, no hope. Yeah, kind of in most aspects of life. But, uh, you know, we won't touch too much on that. Um, thanks very much for joining us this evening, lads. Uh, um, I, you know, I just hope we beat you, but we won't. But... Thanks for giving us your time, at least, to talk about how much better your team is than Tottenham at the moment. Well, that escalated quickly, Roger Bones. You just you cannot help yourself, can you? What do you mean? Luis Suarez malarkey. You know, I'm allowed to bitch about it when they're not on here. When the, when we've got guests over, you know, you can't say it to their face. You just got to say it behind their back. No, no I, I prefer saying it to them. To be honest, nothing I said was wrong, was it? They seemed a bit shellacked, didn't they? Poor, well, poor lads. You would be, wouldn't you? If, imagine if he was at Tottenham. How embarrassed would you be if somebody had the had the perfect right to be able to level something like that? There's no way that they, they didn't defend him. They almost kind of they had to buy rights. The only thing they could do is is stumble through somewhat being being somewhat apathetic towards the entire situation and just you know making a small excuse for him. But you know everyone knows deep down that what he did was wrong and there's no way he should be there. Uh, the fellow compared it to, to Nicholas and Alka. West Brom are the only ones that have treated this sort of situation with any sort of grace. And oh, just, they did, mate. They were awful. They right. sacked him. 
they sacked him like after he pretty much said he wanted to leave. They didn't. If if they had really, really taken a moral high point, as soon as it happened, they would have sacked him. But they didn't. They mulled on it. They stalled, and then they were. It was just. I thought it was even worse that they tried to act like they were in the right for doing that. They they kind of came out after. It's just like, uh, no, you don't quit because we sack you. Uh, so you can't quit. I don't know. I thought. I don't think any of the clubs have really shared themselves in glory with no, at least any of them. That's, that's the... Yeah, true. Yeah, whatever. Um, you you, can you see? Can you see him winning the league? I'm not no, defending. No, Cornell. I think, I think it's awful. <laughs> I, I don't want Ben Wasser or Cotto back at our club as a result. But he's had an interview recently, hasn't he? Where he said he wanted to see out last year of his contract. Yeah. Good luck with that, mate. Yeah. Um, uh, Liverpool um, could they win the league? No. Well, they obviously could, but well, you know, mathematically. You but um, no, I can't see them. It's our City and City and Chelsea at the minute. I mean, Liverpool have got it. Um, they've got it where they've they've got them both coming to Anfield to play. So if they win both of them, then obviously they've got a chance. But I can't see, I can't see Mourinho losing there. I, I can almost see a situation where Chelsea will go to Anfield and beat beat Liverpool but City will win their remaining fixtures in such a fashion I think City can actually lose at Anfield and still have the relevant games in hand and, and the points available to them to go and win the league regardless so I think it's it's theirs to lose and with as we said previously they're, they're almost as detestable as Luis Suarez with the money they've spent and by rights they should be they should be winning this league hands down so I think it's out of Chelsea and, and City sadly um at least it's not Arsenal. At least it's not a uh, a club built around a racist. So it's um, there's you know swings and roundabouts. I mean, I I, I don't know. They're all just it's it's a really smelly title race, and it makes me it does make me miss Manchester United being a good team. It yeah. honestly does. Yeah, I mean, I, I always had that where I was quite because I'd grown up and grown up in a world where Manchester United just won things and. The, the amount of money they've raised and what have you in the way in which they run is, is just a, a product of their success more than any sort of financial doping has always been um, has always been a much more agreeable thing than, than anyone else. All the other teams that are up there have much more um, disagreeable facets than Manchester United and it was always always uh, an acceptable way to, to end the season seeing Manchester United win things at the expense of the rest of the uh, morally... Bankrupt teams that were playing against them. So um, yeah, I am. As funny as it is seeing them floundering the manner they are, quite spectacularly, and it'll be quite nice seeing us finishable in this year. I mean, it's no achievement, really. Um, they're not really. They're gonna be better off in the summer, one way or another. I can't see them having another season like they have done uh, this year. Next year, they'll 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 try and spend their way out of trouble this summer in a in a manner in which we won't be able to. I mean, people will still, even if we finish one or two places above them and um, have not lost to them this season, they're still a, a more attractive club than we are than to go to. I mean, there's, let's not disillusion ourselves that much. Um, if we, we come into a place where Manchester United are going after a player and we're going after a player, they're going to, nine times out of ten, they're going to go to Manchester United for, for the club that they're playing at, for the... Um, the success that they may have after a short while and the money that they're going to be paid because Manchester United can afford to dwarf our, our wage structure somewhat significantly. So 
Um, they're still, even though they're going to finish below us, they're still a completely different beast. Um, so it's you know it's not looking too promising, but let's not depress ourselves any further. It really is only Spurs that could finish above Manchester United and still finish below Arsenal, isn't it? Yeah, I mean it's it's horrible, really. It's not been an enjoyable season at all, really. I mean, if you just remember that that summer and how much hope and promise and positivity there was, and then for it all to come come raining down so spectacularly. Well, we'll give it. We'll give it to you. When we get towards the end of the season, um, like actually the last couple of episodes, we'll talk a bit more about next year. But you know, I'm trying to. I've had my wobble, and I'm trying to get a bit more positive about it. But let's uh, let's see where it goes. But for now, we let's let's not be positive ahead of playing Liverpool away at Anfield because it's it's not going to be worth it. You know, seeing seeing everyone sort of unbridled enthusiasm as nice as it is after the Southampton game. I, I, I will be interested to see if many of the same faces are speaking with such the same kind of reckless abandon once we've been tonked by Liverpool. Um, call me negative. I but, think it's more realistic than negative. I think it would be the fact that you know we broadcast to people and we have to be taken and try and take ourselves somewhat seriously when we're not making puns out of it, Ian Kapoor's name and talking about spaghetti monsters and, and things like that. It's, we can't be being overly positive. We, I mean, we do try. If we had an excuse to be positive, we would. I mean, the fact that we we supported AVB for as long as we did and and tried to buy into that philosophy of the club and the, the apparently the project in which we were doing, the fact that we we backed that so you know, almost so blindly as we did and and we're you know publicly supporting that and the fact that it got thrown back in our faces. There's no way that we can can be expected to be as, as as not passionate but as happy with the situation where we are now. Um, I think that would be, um, you know, it'd be false, wouldn't it? It'd be us putting on a, a fake perception of how we, we feel about the club when I don't think that's why people would want to listen to us if we were being any sort of, um, if we were just putting on a, a false smile for anything like that. It's, I think we we reflected the mood around the club quite um, aptly at the moment. I mean, anyone with half a brain wouldn't expect us to go and beat Liverpool, but I think everyone would welcome it with open arms. So um, it's it's just all about kind of seeing out the rest of the season now and and just seeing what happens in the summer. And um, you know, it's going to be it's, it's going to be another massive summer, which is what we end up saying every year, isn't it? So it's just that that same circle of promise and regret that happens at Tottenham Hotspur and uh, I'm not entirely sure whether or not it's ever going to stop come on you Spurs <laughs> um, we need to say something else to kind of end it we can't just end it on that it's almost like a that was just a horrible way to end it it's ending there mate no no we can't we say something else make a joke no God, this, I don't is, want to. this is horrible I don't want to. Ah. Well, we can only apologise. I don't mean to put a damper on things. No, it, it's it's all good. We're Tottenham. We're the best. And we've got a massive fuck-off Sainsbury's <laughs> and a, a chairman that loves us 
who values our support, our continued support. Um, and I'm reading Alex Ferguson's autobiography, and he seems like a massive twat. There you go. That's what I'd say. That's what I'll end it on. I'm reading Fergie's autobiography, Raj. Um, according to him, he's never done anything wrong. According to him, he doesn't actually bully referees. According to him, he doesn't actually shout at his players. He's always been there for them. And like stuff like with Beckham and the Appstam and so on and so forth has all just been a misunderstding. I'll tell you um, what. I'll tell you what will cheer us up more than his autobiography. Um, have you seen this screen grab from Sol Campbell's autobiography? Oh, which yeah. is written like a story. Shall I, do a, shall I do a performance reading of it just to cheer you up? I'll tell you what, you can record that when we're off and you can put a nice backing track to it. How's that shall, sound? Shall, shall I put some strings? But that's how I'll end it. Go on, we'll, we'll sign off. We'll do the usual admin and then I'll, I'll, I'll read it out in my... I'll tell you what, do, do you want me to do it in my Sol Campbell voice? I can read it out in my Sol Campbell voice. <laughs> If you want, I'll do that. I'll do that if you want. <laughs> That's worryingly good. How many times have you done that? I thought, oh, well, you know, I'll just I'll read that out of my Saul Campbell voice. Okay. All right. All right then, we'll do that. Good night, everyone. Thank you for listening to Rule the Roost. Check us out on iTunes. Check us out on Buzzsprout. You can also listen to everything on SpursStatman.com and follow the Spurs Statman account at SpursStatman. Man, or follow the Rule the Roost Twitter account at RTRSSM. Good night and lots of love. Tuck yourselves in nicely for Liverpool as well. It's going to be horrible. And now, so Campbell with a reading from his new autobiography. The following day when he returns to Newham, when in doubt, he always went back to his roots. He walks his neighbourhood. He visits West End Park with his mum. He feels good and safe to be by outside. He talks and his mother listens. Measuring things up. This is good. This is bad. He looks at the strip of glass he used to play on. The tennis courts he went straight to after school in search of those lost tennis balls. He chucks to himself. On the wall, he used to practice against for hour upon hour. He notices a loose brick and he thinks for a moment <laughs> someone may have hidden the secret inside. He notices a fly land on his hand. It annoys him. He wants to slap at it, yet he doesn't want it to die. In the same way, at times he wanted to sleep, yet he didn't want to be unawake. To think, yet not want his brain to work. He looks at groups of kids sitting on the grass, in a circle sharing a laugh, and intermittently at the fly, which isn't moving, stationary, as if it has nowhere to go. Then suddenly, it flies off into the blue sky. It's time to step off the ride. To somehow let go of all that pressure that has built up in the previous months. They walk out of the park towards his childhood home. As he carefully leads his mum into East Road, he thinks of his last days at Tottenham. He is no longer happy. He had some good times, some of the best times. But things have changed, or perhaps have never changed. That's it. They have remained the same. Their ambition may never match his, but his face is a discord of disappointment, fatigue and resignation. (laughs) Next week on Roll the Roost Presents, Luis Suarez reads experts from Mein Kampf. (laughs) Good night. There we go. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.